Hi, before we begin the episode, I do want to give a little bit of a content warning. We go into a description of domestic abuse that happens in the original The Longest Yard from 1974 with Burt Reynolds. Check the show notes for the timestamp on that if that is something that you need to skip. Well, there you have it. A bunch of ruthless criminals have beaten the men who uphold our justice system. This is They're All Going to Laugh at Him, episode 22. I'm Alex Sprague. And I'm Jess Geyer. And with us are fireworks. Yeah, it's a good day for fireworks, because cops don't like them. You might hear some of that in the background. Um, It's just, we're recording a little earlier than we usually do, and people are popping them off. And by early, it's 11 o'clock at night. There's not really a time that we can do it later, so. No. (laughs) I mean, there is. We have been, but whatever. We normally record at like 2 a.m. because we live in a noisy area. Yes. Well, what did we watch today, Alex? We watched The Longest Yard, a remake of a 1974 Burt Reynolds flick. Wow. Another remake. Yeah. And, interestingly enough, I'm giving this one a three Sandler star guarantee. Stars Adam Sandler. It wasn't written by Adam Sandler. It's technically written by the original writer, but he specifically brought in Tim Hurley, who went uncredited as a writer on this. But he is the executive producer, and it's made by Happy Madison. It's all there. Okay. He wanted this movie done. Yeah, he must have. He probably was a fan of the movie, especially since he brought in Burt Reynolds. Yeah, as one of the other actors. Yeah. I do think so, but that, and that actually makes me like, this is almost a three plus for me, because if he's a fan of the originals, the changes made in this speak more, right? The problem being, neither of us have seen the original. I mean, what are we, a Burt Reynolds podcast? Although I did watch clips on YouTube and I, I did try to do my my due diligence and research but we're not really we're not we're not a movie critique podcast yeah really Uh, okay we're not like a traditionally movie critique podcast what are we doing alex so are we watching all 60 adam sandler movies in a row what we're doing is taking in the filmography of adam sandler as a whole digesting it taking out the theme nutrients and the Something else to do with nutrients. I don't have more than one metaphor for this. And coming (laughs) up with, is he worth hating? A lot of people hate Adam Sandler. And this movie is really really important, I think, because people, especially critics, don't hate Burt Reynolds. No. And this movie is the same movie, basically. With some changes, with some yes. changes, but not... With changes that critics dislike. Yes. And they've decided that this movie is much worse from from the few things I read. Do you want to guess how much worse? Do you want me to guess the original first? Oh, yeah. Hold on. Let me even bring up the original on Rotten Tomatoes because I don't have that open. So, normally, Jess guesses the scores on Rotten Tomatoes. But this week she had already seen this movie and I hadn't. So she was reading stuff more so than I was. So I will be guessing the scores. 
Okay, go ahead and guess the original. I think critics gave it a 79. Okay, well, I think you cheated. Why? Because it's exactly 79. (laughs) No, I understand what these critics think. Audiences (laughs) gave it a 72. 75. (sighs) I'm so close. Now, for critics for this movie, it only has 34 reviews. Mm -hmm. Seven rated it Rotten 27 Fresh. Okay. And then in the audience score, though, there are 81,337 ratings. Okay. So, I mean, I think that's a pretty decent score. Yeah. But, you know, people have a little bit of nostalgia about their movies and, you know, people like Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Okay. Now, for this version, I'm thinking it's getting a 42 from critics and a 69 from the audience. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. No. Okay. (laughs) 31% rotten for critics. And that's based on 168 ratings. 52 of them rated it fresh, which is almost twice as many, by the way, that rated it fresh, the original. Yeah, but that's not how statistics work. I know. I know. (laughs) I know. I'm aware of how statistics works. But the audience score is 62%. So I got close. Double, double the rating Mm. that critics gave it. Interestingly... So yeah, 15 rated it fresh, 25 rated it rotten when you're looking at top critics. So it was a little bit more well-liked. And that's also true of uh, Adam Sandler's arch nemesis, Roger Ebert, who gave this movie a thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, that's a 40%. That's not super great. No, but I'm just saying that uh, I think that these critics are being harsher because the trend is to hate on Adam Sandler when you look at the audience score of the 32,774,364 people who have rated this movie, it has a 62% fresh. Yeah, I'm I'm specifically saying the critics who dislike this movie do so because they are elitist douchebags. Oh, yeah. That is without a doubt. I We're going to hit... I mean, I'm not calling certain people i'm gonna quote at the end of this alt right but i am gonna call them racist because they don't understand the themes in this movie oh man i i looked there was (laughs) it was a white man and a white woman who really missed the point of this Mm -hmm. that said i like this movie a lot i thought it was really good yeah um there's some problematic elements but that's kind of the problematic elements of prison itself i think Oh, and if you look at the original? Oh, yeah. We'll get into that. Um, This, I mean, it's about a hundred times less offensive than Oz was, and Oz was really good. I haven't seen Oz. (laughs) You don't need to. You get it. (laughs) It's just Oz is brutal. I Um, was really hoping, because I had heard about that show. This is a tangent, but still. I thought it was going to be like an Alice in Wonderland in prison, and I thought that would have been fucking cool. That would have been so cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I watched Oz when I was too young to watch Oz. That's all I know about it. Yeah. Well. But I I laughed 43 times in this movie. This movie is about two hours long, so it's longer than your average. It doesn't feel like it, though. It doesn't feel that long. It doesn't feel like Spanglish long, you know? Also, can I point out the football scene in the original lasted 47 minutes? I'm sorry? 47 minutes long, the football scene in the original. 
I'm going to point out, in an average NFL game, there's only 18 minutes of football. That's too long. That's over twice, like, watching the action of a football game. Alex, so, uh, I'm so confused. How long is the original movie? So, yeah, the original was about the same length, meaning a third of the movie, slightly over a third of the movie, was just a scene where they played football for one game, which... <laughs> A little rough, in my opinion. How did you find that out? How did you learn that it was that long? Uh, I read the trivia. Okay, so um, that explains so much because when I was watching the clips, they seemed so truncated. The scenes where we get to meet some of the players in the remake are longer. There's way more character development. Gosh, I mean, okay, do you want me to do a plot, plot summary? Yeah, let, let's go through that real quick, because I want to get into talking about this. Ooh, buddy. Um, Paul Crew, played by Adam Sandler, is the himbo boyfriend of Monica from Friends, and also an ex-MVP quarterback who got caught shaving points and is on probation. Now, I don't exactly know what shaving points means, but I have to assume that it means that they he like purposefully didn't score points for gambling purposes. Yes, uh, there's an over-under that's normally in gambling. Um, say a team's supposed to, the odds are even that they would win by 14 points. Mm-hmm. If he instead messes up so they only win by 7, he could win people money while still winning a game. That would be shaving points. Doesn't seem like the kind of thing that should get you beaten in prison, but let's keep going. Um, after getting harangued by Monica, like she wants him to wear a sailor outfit at a party. <laughs> oh man, that was good too. Such a little sailor boy. And, like, like she is awful to him, and, yeah. She she yells, I own you, to him. Yeah, which we're going to talk about with some of the themes. Mm-hmm. He locks her in her closet and takes her car on a drunken joyride and police chase. She has a giant walk-in closet, by the way. It's not very malicious. She's fine. There's a party going on. She's going to be found. Yeah. That said, he is still drunk driving like an piece of shit so well, yeah i mean i read this scene as almost an attempted suicide yes it he is clearly a depressed guy mm. anyway uh he goes to prison for violating parole and of course the other infractions and is transferred specifically to the prison of warden hazen played by james cromwell so he can train the prison guards football team so they the prison guards have like a football league the, the warden compares it to a company softball league. Yeah, except they do show that this prison league is a, uh, like, I don't think this is real in football, but it's like a double A baseball team for football. It doesn't make any sense, but no, whatever. It's fine. It's a movie. Uh, I do want to point out the prison is in Texas. That matters. It is in Texas, and the guy wants to be, the warden wants to become the governor. He's, like, running a gubernatorial campaign. Crew actually refuses at first because Captain Knauer, played by William Fitchner, says to him, don't say yes, and, like, beats him up. Brutally. Brutally. is hitting him with a baton in the stomach and in the head, and, like, beats him regularly in the first like five minutes of the movie oh yeah for no reason so he says no and then he's beaten for saying no uh because captain knauer i think has just used this as an opportunity to be extra cruel 
Um, he meets some people uh, and has like a, another run-in with um, Captain Knauer. And they say that he assaulted Captain Knauer, but that's not true. He just prevented him from hitting him with a baton. So he's put in solitary hotbox, which is just like a wooden shed out in the yard. This is this is a thing that can kill you, for sure. Not to mention that solitary confinement is torture and should be made illegal. It is absolute torture in reality. Uh, I do want to point out that this is a real uh, thing, the hotbox. What? Yes, the hotbox is real. It was often used uh, to hurt slaves. It was used uh, during the American Civil War. It has been used by the CIA and the North Vietnam Army. I thought you meant it was like still used in American prisons. I mean, honestly, it might be. Solitary confinement without AC, what's the difference? Oh my actual god. Uh, yeah, okay, anyway, uh, wow, that's, I'm stunned. But anyway, crew suggests that the team play, that the guards team play against a worse team to build up their confidence. I forget what the name of this is, but it's apparently something that they did in college. Yeah, it's it's just beating a bad team to make yourself feel good. Yeah, and the warden gives him permission to create a team out of the inmates. Crew and his new friend Caretaker, played by Chris Rock, hold tryouts, and it doesn't go well when these new players have their first, like, practice. But with the help of former football player Nate Scarborough, played by Burt Reynolds, they recruit the meanest players in the prison. Um, so we have, like, the getting the team together scene, which is, I know, like, your favorite thing in any yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I love when the, 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 the crew gets together in movies. I do want to point out, though, that the reason they are unable to form a team at this point is because uh, many of the convicts don't want to basically play games with the guards. Yeah, I was just... Like that. Well, they do want to play games with the guards. They want to beat up on the guards, but the the majority uh, problem is that a lot of the black prisoners don't want to join in because, well, it could be, I'm assuming it could be dangerous for them. Well, and also, at this point, uh, Adam Sandler's character is known worldwide for being an untrustworthy person. Yes, He sold too. out his own team. No one would willingly follow him. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, they don't really dive into the segregation inside of prisons. Yeah, yeah, they do. They they don't I, they don't explore it deeply is what I'm saying. They do talk about it. It's okay. there. I mean, I think they they do enough for this movie. For the for movie. That. For the movie, yeah. It's not, but it's not it's not a movie about It is a movie about prison, but it's not a movie about prison, you know? Yes. Anyway, they eventually are able to recruit the extremely fast running back Megget, played by Nelly, mm-hmm. um, after Crew plays basketball one on one and like kind of takes a beating on the court, but doesn't like lose his cool. I also want to point out I looked at a promotional thing for this, and Nelly just does a backflip in it, and I'm like, man, super athletic apparently. <laughs> doesn't apparently, surprise me. Nelly's like super good at doing stuff. I've seen the man sing. Um, yeah, but N- Nelly um, joins the team despite the other black prisoners. They they are still against the idea. They're still not going to join up. Uh, but that changes when 
an arsonist named Unger feeds some information to Captain Knauer about the team and says that like Nellie's very fast. So he sends Stone Cold Steve Austin and another guard into there's so many cameos that I mean like yeah, wrestlers well, and <laughs> one of the stuff. interesting things, so most of the prison guards are played by wrestlers, which yeah. is done A because they're big and strong, and B because wrestlers are professional actors. And I think they did a really good job having a bunch of professional actors or yeah, wrestlers do this because they gave like good performances, which is oh, not yeah. normally what giant buff dudes do. Yeah. But yeah I thought Goldberg that was, cool. was there too. Um, and then the boss, um, notorious evil football player was another guard. Oh yeah. He's, the, he's the blonde one. Captain Knauer sends a couple of guards to the library where Nellie is like, that's his prison work. And they like tip the camera up and they, you know, they're trying to get a rise out of him. So he'll do something that will give them an excuse to beat him basically. And like they call him the N word and they drop books and they generally insult him, but he doesn't take the bait. And when the, some of the other black prisoners who are in there see this happen, they then decide to join the team too because they want, you know, they want some way to stand up against the guards. And also, I I think part of this is that they see how important it is to the guards. Yes. Yeah. And once they realize that it will actually, you know, it won't actually do anything, but it will hurt them. They're willing mm-hmm. to, like, you know, fight back. Yeah, the f- the football team is like a a symbol of resistance at this point. Yeah, and in this scene, I know we're going to talk about it later, but I do want to point out that he makes Nellie give him a book recommendation and Nellie hands him Malcolm X's biography. And then Steve Austin also calls him the N-word. And that's like the the big symbolism of the that mm-hmm. scene and also shows them all like getting very quietly angry but there's nothing they can do about it oh yeah and this scene feels tense yeah it was good it was a very good scene for like how bad i felt in my stomach (laughs) oh yeah yeah so because it looks like the team might actually beat the guards uh the guards have unger the arsonist um try to kill crew and uh caretaker instead is caught in the explosion because he's doing some nice stuff for um crew so they have a funeral, and after the funeral, they're even more ready to kick the asses of the guards. And at the game, they end up doing really well. Uh, but Warden Hazen threatens to have Crew tried as a co-conspirator in Caretaker's murder if he doesn't purposefully lose. So Crew agrees as long as the guards don't hurt any of his team members, but the guards go against their word and start injuring players left and right. And then when Crew realizes that it'll be worth it, more worth it to stick it up to the Warden, uh, he joins back in the game, and they end up winning. Uh, the warden's pissed, and when he sees Crew walking away toward the crowd, he tells Kanawa to shoot him, because they have, like, sniper set up so the prisoners can't run or whatever. And uh, Kanawa refuses when he sees that Crew was only getting the game ball. I actually think he doesn't really refuse. He holds a gun, he points it at Crew, and he hesitates and Burt Reynolds is getting ready to intervene, is getting ready to intervene on the sidelines, and then he reaches down, grabs the game ball, starts coming back, and doesn't shoot. I think, like, it's supposed to show 
he would have fucking killed him. Oh, I was going to talk about that anyway. It's up in my discussion points. Yeah, I just, I don't think it, he doesn't refuse or say no. He hesitates, which yeah. is a difference. And Knauer tells Crew that he knows that Crew wasn't involved in Caretaker's death and that he'll uh, testify on his behalf. Um, and yeah, that is the end of the movie. And that's pretty much what the original was with a couple exceptions. I do want to talk about a couple of those differences that I know of. Like I said, I haven't seen the original. I'm going to have to give that caveat. And if you are mad at me that I haven't seen the original, I'm sorry. Because I'm not. I have stuff to do. I think if you think the original was significantly better than this, just shut the fuck up. Don't care. So... I'm going to start with the beginning of the movie. Yes. In the original, Burt Reynolds is sent to prison in part for beating his girlfriend. Now, his girlfriend does say some of the same things that Monica, mm-hmm. her, her character's name is Lena, but whatever, that Monica says to Crew at the beginning of the remake, but she, it's far less. Mm-hmm. And... Before she even, like, says anything mean, Bert throws her off of their bed and she hits her head on the floor. And then she comes back in and he says that he's going to take her Maserati. And she says, like, don't you do it. And just, like, like calling him a has-been and whatever and that everyone's owned him. And then, um, like, he's leaving with her car keys and she slaps him. And he, like, grabs her. By the face. Grabs her by the face, pushes her against the wall, and then throws her down onto the hard tile floor. Like, it's not like, it's not like a slap. It's not a James Bond slap. Yeah, he assaults her multiple times. He is, in this movie, in the fiction, an NFL quarterback, a strong person, and he fucking grabs her by the face and throws her to the ground and hits her, so she hits her head repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Then critics talk about how sexy he is and how good his tight pants are. So, yeah, it like, you know, he's he is in the original movie, a huge piece of shit who's done a lot of bad stuff. Like, I'm not an advocate for drunk driving, of course, but you want me to be sympathetic to a like person beating a woman compared to a guy who's depressed trying to kill himself? Yeah, and I understand like having a movie where somebody's a piece of shit and we're still rooting for them anyway because the prison guards are even bigger pieces of shit. But when I learned, when you told me on this very podcast that the football part of this movie is 47 minutes long, which makes sense because there's hardly any character development in the in the clips that I have seen, that means that they didn't do any character development for him. So we're just supposed to sympathize with him because he's Burt Reynolds? They, no. People literally were talking about how Burt Reynolds can just carry a movie, and he's so charismatic. And I'm like, oh shit! So, your argument for why the original movie's better is that some people can get away with, you know, abusing their spouse because they look good, sick. So that's one of the one of the differences in the movie that I think it was a, a really good improvement that they oh, didn't yeah. have Adam Sandler beat up a woman. Agreed. First of all, I can't even imagine Adam Sandler beating up a like I can't imagine him ever playing a role like that. <laughs> to be fair, I haven't seen all of his movies yet. Who knows what's going to happen, but 
if he tried to like punch Monica, because I don't know her real name, and I'm sorry about that. Courtney Cox. Okay. They would have played it where she would have caught his hand and then punched him out. Like he would Which have let himself lose. Which is also not cool. That's still. I know. Yeah. But, yeah. but they would have. They would have turned on its head at least a bit. Like they. They don't. They don't really have scenes where like just a man violently beats a woman for basically no reason. Yeah. But. At least so far, it's... who knows? I might be wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, we might have to eat our hat later. Yeah. Now let me. I think the next change that's big is the fact that the original movie doesn't talk about race at all. And a lot of people seem to think that this was kind of shoehorned into the remake when I would disagree a lot because police brutality is a main theme of this movie. And they're supposed to, (laughs) it's hilarious seeing people talk about the original as like a, you know, great movie about like the spirit of a person and what sports mean and et cetera, et cetera. And then going around and saying the remake is like shoehorned in some stuff about racism. And I'm like, no, that was just like the major theme of the movie is police brutality, especially towards black people. Yeah. And are we supposed to really sit here as viewers and believe that it's not worse for black prisoners? Like, it, it's ridiculous to think uh, that it, it's shown multiple times. Adam Sandler's character is offered special treatment. Yeah. And we get a little bit sympathetic from when he denies it and doesn't want it. Um, but yeah. like he he's given privilege in this movie, which I think is like a smart move because mm-hmm. like it sets it up. It's it's very not realistic, but within the fiction, you know, pretty realistic. That, and they change some, like, stuff throughout the movie to show the systematic racism towards the black population of the movie. Yeah, there are a couple lines, like, Chris Rock says, uh, he's talking about the things that he can get for Adam Sandler. He says weed, meth, Prozac, which, just saying like putting that in there that is something that prisoners need is mental like mental health and 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 medicine for that uh and he met, he talks about like I don't know why you white guys are so depressed all that, like something about how white guys handle depression and then he says hey you're white smile yeah um there's another quote that uh was done by one of the football commentators where mm-hmm. he said about uh, Nellie's care, Megget, look at that Megget run, which is, or that little Megget run, which is a reference to a real football commentator who once said, look at that little monkey run. What? And then was scolded for being racist on live television. But he's supposed to be he even purposely like says the quote like that guy and they do it on purpose to show that this is racist. <laughs> hey, if you didn't get the part about Malcolm X earlier, I'm still doing racist stuff. This is all racist. It's just different yeah. levels, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also want to point out the what they talk about with mental health and intellectual disabilities in this movie, too. Because in the original, it seems like 
There's one character in the remake that is two different characters in the original, Samson, and then this other character I can't remember the name of who has an intellectual disability. Hmm. But it, in this movie, they've combined them, those two characters, and it's one of the main football players who has speaking roles. Now, I always kind of find it cringeworthy when someone plays a person with an intellectual disability on screen. It mm -hmm. always ends up feeling like a parody to me. Yes. But I am, it, I find it very interesting that they did put somebody who has an intellectual disability on screen as one of the main characters in a prison because of the amount of people with intellectual disabilities that are in prison, that find their way into prison, especially mm -hmm. black men with intellectual disabilities, they are so much more likely to end up in the prison system. And I, I'm glad that they they had that representation, even, even though, you know, anytime you have someone who, um, you know, is neurotypical playing somebody who is not, it's always a little, like, ugh. Yeah, you know? and I mean, they do make fun of this character within the movie having people make jabs at him but but they i don't think they ever really they don't make fun of his intellectual disability they, they do a little bit okay yeah um, i guess they adam do. They, sandler they... tells him to like go back to his coloring books yeah um something along those lines the thing yeah. is though yeah within a prison it's actually way worse is the thing like that's I'm not saying that it's like really cool to make those jokes or anything, but if you're keeping the theme of being in a prison, there's way, way worse stuff going on as far as insults and whatever. And I think that brings us to the final change between the two movies we want to talk about, which is... No, oh, there are a couple more changes, but yes, oh, go on. The most important one that you were telling me about earlier, um, that is like definitely the most fucked up <laughs> oh yeah um in the original movie i mean both movies were filmed at an actual penitentiary the remake is filmed at a shut down prison it is so it's real prison but it's not in use i don't know if the original one was in use is it in use no the new one is not in use oh i thought it was no um the original one yes was filmed in a prison that was actually um, being used. In fact, the um, the original credit credits in the movie, in the original movie, like thank Governor Jimmy Carter, and they um, thank the inmates who were like background actors too. So like they actually had inmates in the movie, mm -hmm. but the warden gave permission for some of the gay inmates to play as the cheerleaders in the original movie. And apparently they had filmed like an entire like song and like choreographed thing. They were dressed up in drag, which I don't know if that was their idea or if it was like the movie producer's idea. I'm, I'm going to start and say permission to do something isn't permission in jail in 1974 no. for a gay no. inmate. They were told no. to do this. I mean, that's... They yes. might have wanted to. I'm not saying they didn't, but, like, come on. <laughs> but most of that had apparently been cut out because you only see those inmates 
in the background in certain scenes and like like very briefly and i was trying to find out like i wanted to see how much of the remake was similar to the original with the use of the the gay inmates and i and i just couldn't find any good scenes where any of them were talking and then i found that out now in the remake it's still a little problematic i mean obviously mm-hmm. there are there are gay inmates of course and there are trans women who are in male prisons and that is a a travesty that is an outrage to any human sensibility mm. i mean to be honest prisons are an outrage to human sensibility but you know being locked up is against the basic instincts of humans so yes but they have like tracy morgan and some other actors play these it's i think that they're just supposed to be gay men Yes. But they do often refer to themselves using female pronouns. The, or so they, they have call female pronouns in, as cast. They're cast as a female pronoun. Uh, like you Tracy, mean they're cast, they're cast under f- uh, like f- feminine names. Tracy Morgan is called Miss Tucker. Yeah, which is not a great name. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Jesus. Yeah. So they're... Again, problematic portrayal. The other ones have uh, are listed as transvestite in the credits. Also very problematic. Yep. Yes. But not to defend that, but there's a very big difference in my mind between people doing an offensive portrayal and using prison labor to do an offensive portrayal because prison, prison layer is the worst form of capitalism. Because prison labor is basically akin to slavery. Oh, yeah. Because they don't have a choice about it, and they're rarely paid, if at all paid. Oh, and if they are paid, it's like pennies to the dollar. Yeah, it's not... 27 cents an hour. It It is slavery. There are documentaries. There's a documentary on Netflix, I believe, called 13th. And it is a... Um, it's by Ava du- uh, DuVernay, and it is about, um, this is straight up from the Wikipedia page, it says, the film explores the intersection of race, justice, and mass incarceration in the United States. And the name of the movie is, of course, after the 13th Amendment of the, of the Constitution, which outlaws slavery, mm-hmm. except as a punishment for conviction. Yeah. So technically, slavery is still legal in the United States if it is punishment for conviction of a crime. The prison industrial system is slavery. So yes. Anyway, uh, yeah, I one hundred percent agree. I I'm not like super on board with how those people were portrayed, but they again were, you know, they were a part of the prison system. They were shown to be a valid and valuable part of the prison community. Mm-hmm. And even though there was a weird scene with John Turturro's brother and Tracy Morgan, where they're like kind of making fun of John, uh, John Turturro's brother. I can't remember his actual name. Uh, his name is Brucey in the movie. Yes. But uh, they're making Sator. fun of him for, for denying that he, you know, has a relationship with Tracy Morgan. Still not great, but. Well, the interesting thing is they mirror this with Adam Sandler gets filmed having a 
like weird modeling uh, session with a older woman um, who liked him from his old uh, underwear ads and was like taking pictures of him in his whitey tighties. And then they cut directly afterwards to this scene of Nicholas Totoro um, having a relationship with Tracy Jordan, which Morgan. is Morgan. Sorry. 30 rock has ruined me to be able to remember that man's <laughs> name. But like the fact that they had it as kind of like on the same level, not great, but also like less, less bad maybe. Yeah. I, I 100% see where you're coming from. That's one of the differences in the original film. In the original film, Bernadette Peters plays Miss Toot, who is the secretary. So in both movies, they give Paul Crew, she gives Paul Crew um, tapes of the seasons from the guards' uh, previous football season so they can look at their plays and everything. And like you said in the remake, she wants this weird underwear posing thing. But in the original, Bernadette Peters takes him into the room and she like starts taking off her blouse and then she's like come on we only have 15 minutes and then it's seen as much more of a consensual coupling mm-hmm. where Burrell's is supposed to be the sexy hairy guy yeah i mean that's that that's what i would call rape yeah um, i mean it, it is. is yeah hey also uh cops can legally rape people i just want to point that out it's really fucked up it is um, fucked up. Because they get to decide who consented or didn't. Yeah, um, even we after should, arresting We should someone. make it a law that if you are in the in police custody or in a prison, you or I guess, yeah, if you're in police custody, you cannot consent to sex with a police officer. Like You, you should make <laughs> it a law that police officers aren't allowed to have sex because they shouldn't be allowed to exist. <laughs> that would be uh, a lot easier. Um <laughs> So that's one of the other um, differences with the movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm just going to br- just briefly kind of run through a couple more. Just they're very short. One of them is my favorite. It's Terry Crews' character, Cheeseburger Eddie, mm-hmm. with the product placement people are complaining about. But actually, I, I really like it. <laughs> and then the other one is I think it was a very good piece of um, cinema. Because if you've seen the original, the original movie... Caretaker is killed by combustible liquid being put into a light bulb. So when he turns on the light, it explodes or like it lights him on fire. And in the remake, the light isn't working and you see a mess with it. And it's kind of like this long scene. You're like, okay, why is this light here? What's with the lighting? But it's supposed to like build up suspense because if someone is a fan of the original, they're going to think, oh, it's when he turns the light on. But then he gets the light working and he like sets some stuff on the table and whatever. And then he turns the radio on and that's what explodes. So it's just this cool piece of um, tension building that I liked that they did. Yeah. And it's a nod to the original if people were mm-hmm. getting ready for that scene. Yes. Um, but what I find interesting. So they had Terry Crews <laughs> just constantly trying to sell people McDonald's. <laughs> he had little rhymes for it. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> shakes that'll make you quake, <laughs> fries will make you cry, stuff like that. Hamburgers. I got hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's such a charismatic person. It just, you know, he it's fun every time he's on mm-hmm. set. And people, you know, of course, he, gave He's a scene stiller. Yeah. Yeah. 
people gave this uh, movie shit for product placement. Now, the original had product placement for Eastern Airlines, Paps Blue Ribbon Beer, Tony Lambo Boots, Gatorade, Rawlings, Coca-Cola, Continental Trailways, Adidas, Goodyear, and Mural Cigars. And Maserati. Oh, and Maserati. Well, no, uh, these are the ones listed that they got paid to put in, it seems like. So, so product placement in movies. Oh, yeah. That's an Adam Sandler issue. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah. Just every review that I've seen of this movie compares it to the original and uses that as an excuse to say why this movie is bad. But the movie was just fun to watch. It was it was fun to watch, and I think it it didn't shy away from the fact that prison guards are racist and awful. Yeah, the 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 thing is, this movie shows the fact that prison guards are angry, mean people who are trying to hurt people, primor- primarily black people. They are going out of their way to brutalize and beat people. You know. They're basically saying ACAB in this, and the original, it was just a, a rivalry, you know, showing whose spirit is stronger. And that's bullshit. That's a fucking dumb message. And honestly, it's kind of just a racist message because you're making a film about how the prison system's so hard for four white dudes in the original. Yeah. And when this one shows. Hey, it's really hard for a lot of people, but it's especially hard for this, these people for these reasons. And it strikes so much truer in this film than, like, the other one. I also want to <laughs> point out the, the, the comparisons between the prison system and professional sports. Mm-hmm. Because the football game is played in front of this audience who's like fucking going wild. They have the, all the trappings because the warden thinks it'll be good for his gubernatorial campaign. Yes. So, like, just the spectacle of watching violence reminds me of the prison system because a lot of times crime is used as spectacle. Yes. And it's really the visibility of people being punished that people like, um, rather than the reality of it. When Monica at the beginning says, like, I own you to Mm. this football player, this ex-football player, that's another example of how, you know, football players are treated by their teams and their coaches and the players. And if you look at football, too, there's a lot of racism in football. I mean... Until, what, two weeks ago, there was just blatant racism with Kaepernick being kicked out for, you know, standing up for black lives. Yeah, I was going to mention that, yeah. The fact that, you know, was it, uh, is it Jim Jones, Jeffrey Jones, whatever, the the Cowboys owner, it's just like one of the most racist men alive, I would say. Um, But also, like... I'm not going to get into the fact that that the NFL is primarily a bunch of white, rich people who own, quote-unquote, teams that are primarily, like, black men playing. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the college football system, which I think is more valid in this situation, it is many young men 
whose only option is to play football. That's how they get to go to college. They have to put their bodies on the line for this type of thing. And they are not legally allowed to get paid. They're not legally allowed to take advertisement deals. And they have to make the NFL in order to make money. So they have to spend 10 years, at least, playing football, you know, middle school, high school, college, in order for the chance to make money. And the colleges make, like, several billion dollars a year off this. The highest paid state employee in almost every state, I think probably every state, is normally the college football coach of that state. Like, they're making so much money off this and not paying them. And they make a reference to this in the movie by uh, one of the guards who played college football saying, a lot of the people I played with are in at this jail, just not on the guard side, saying many of the other employee or the people he played with, he's a white man, have ended up in prison when they didn't make the NFL. And there's another um, line that references that when, um, I can't remember which character says it, but it says, when college stars don't get drafted, they need a place to go. Yes. I mean, there's there's a lot to the fact that the the college sports system does not set up its athletes well in order to succeed, um, no, they except don't. for at you know the highest level. No, they're they're completely exploited. Yes, pay pay college football players. What's wrong with you? Just do it. Let yeah. them take advertisement deals. Even the colleges don't have to pay them. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, they kind of really dig into the politics of this elite class a lot in it. They they make the political advisor of the warden a white plantation owner, which is... Yeah, they make him, like, Colonel Sanders, basically. Yeah, they call him Colonel Sanders in the movie. Adam Sandler does. Yeah. Um, but to show, because, like, Colonel Sanders looks like a white plantation owner. Yeah. I don't think he's supposed to look like anything else. That is what he is. And they even make a reference where the warden wants to be governor, and Adam Sandler says something along the lines of, oh, that way we can, you know, get rid of sodomy in the state, huh? Or, like, lessen it. And then the Warren says really seriously, like, yeah, hopefully we'll have none. And Warren's like, all right, I'm saying it's like, oh, okay. But basically saying like, hey, this evil guy is a homophobe. Yeah, it's I'm glad that's another difference um, between this movie and the original is that in the original, the warden doesn't have any political aspirations. In this one, they do. And the comparison to a warden being like a, a governor or politician that is very good, especially when you consider Sheriff Arpaio, the quote-unquote America's toughest sheriff. I mean, he ended up running. No, he yeah he he ran a he ran a campaign for Senate in 2018. You you understand why they're making this joke of him becoming trying to become the governor, right? No, why? Because they the original movie was made under the governor's okay oh okay well yeah which is you know th but in this movie they don't abuse prison labor unlike the governor did yeah i mean the thing is this is just a more honest movie uh they don't make you wanna like fuck a woman abuser apparently and they like realistically portray racism by the police yeah and they you know show 
people being taken advantage of. And they they don't act like it's this spirit that about fighting back. They they show it as an act of rebellion to like win this game. Which is what it is. Yeah, it's also just a better made movie. <laughs> with better dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Better filming. I mean, I know the original was 1974, but still. <laughs> yeah. That and there's like several things of... I know people are we're complaining about, you know, there's a lot of rap music in it. And that like didn't really fit in well. That's like one of the top reviews that it said. I go, like, you think rap music in 2005 doesn't fit in well at a prison? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? Also, yeah. Nelly is in this movie. Yeah. What are you talking that, about? Also, I know you didn't pick this up. At the basketball scene, when he's playing basketball to like try to get the respect, uh-huh. all of D12 is there, and then they call him Slim Shady. Oh, that's so funny, because they also play a D12 song in... Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I didn't notice that, no. Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, that's a reference to... <laughs> If you don't know, D12 was uh, Slim Shady or Eminem's, like, I guess, or- original crew, maybe? I don't know much about Eminem. I do yeah, know that that was his group. <laughs> yeah, it just, I like this movie a lot. And it makes me mad reading some of the reviews. Do you want to read some of those? Do you want to go into the yeah. alt-right review zone? <laughs> just what we're calling this now, I guess. I mean, I think it, it's important... When I'm talking about does he deserve all the hate, pointing out respected quote unquote critics reviews of these movies that miss everything. Like, I think that's important to see because like, all right. So the first review comes from uh, Anne Hornaday from the Washington Post, who did not watch the original and says that this means her review won't quote, it will dispense with the lining up of ledgers, noting what scenes have been deleted or added, and what themes emphasized or not, and what characters filled out or erased. She watched it like I did. Didn't know anything about the original. Therefore, should have an unbiased opinion, right? Uh Uh-huh. Rather than the adult comedy Reynolds starred in 30 years ago, this one is clearly directed at teenagers. You haven't seen the original, so... How do you know? I'm going to point out. I guess I guess you're just going to go with it. The football action is bone-crunchingly visceral, but it doesn't really kick in until the last half hour or so of a movie that spends much more time on getting Sandler's character into jail and establishing just how ruthless the prison guards are. That's bone-crunchingly visceral too, but that doesn't mean it's any fun. Which, my god, how are you missing the point of this movie that hard? That it's not about football. Okay, keep going. Ooh, buddy. He winds up in the Texas penitentiary where the only thing they like better than election people is playing football. They're saying that in a tone that makes me seem like they don't think that's true, but that's Texas for you, man. Crew is roped into organizing a tune-up game against the guards who are, to a man, nasty, brutish, and steroid-enhanced. Like so many World War II adventures of yore, Crew's motley bunches composed of one of each by way of central casting, the fast-talking weakling, the big dumb lug, and the wisecracking best buddy who's always there in a pinch. Um, I think they're forgetting the fact that the wisecracking buddy dies. Um, but also... And also that those are all characters from the original. Yeah. But, like, 
the complaint is that the it's a bunch of big white men who are strong. And when they made that reference to World War II, they're forgetting the fact that the Motley crew is supposed to be, you know, different people killing Nazis. <laughs> and they, they made that reference, but they didn't get the part where the white people are white supremacists. That's, uh... Yeah. There you go. And then, yeah, they they make a reference about how there was stupid jokes about getting hit in the balls, but that was in the original, too. Yes. Like, almost to a frame, except instead of hitting one of the football players in the balls, they hit Alan Covert a ref. Which is funny, um, and also strikes pretty true that you have to fight back against authority in order to make them do what you want. But, hey, let's not, let's not worry about that. I want to read a line from another review that I found very infuriating. This is from Manola Dargis from the New York Times. The new movie was written by Sheldon Turner, whose contribution to Tracy Keenan Wynn's original screenplay consists of the usual updating, including a lame bit about the television show The View. It's uncertain, however, whether Mr. Turner or the director Peter Siegel deserves the blame for the opportunistic use of Malcolm X's image in one scene. This iconic image pops up in a scene that, like much of the movie, plays a lot like the original, albeit with some instructive differences. In the scene, a couple of white prison guards try to bait a black member of Crew's team, here named Megget, and nicely played by the rapper Nelly. Megget smartly refuses to take the bait, but because the filmmakers want to make sure we don't think he's a coward, they toss in Malcolm X. Leaving aside the idea that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. might have made more sense in the scene hinged to passive resistance, this scene indicates just how little faith the filmmakers have in their audience and how much anxiety they have about what it means to be a man. Only with Malcolm X washing over him can Megget be forgiven for not talking back, for not getting his skull cracked, for not getting tossed off the team. Only with Malcolm X serving as his symbolic guardian angel, it seems, can he be a real black man. One of the points that Aldrich makes, the original director, makes in his movie is that the character is smart enough to bide his time. His courageous resistance inspires other black inmates to join forces with crew to fight what is, after all, a common enemy. It's it's wild. Also, can you go back and say, did they say that Malcolm X was representative of passive resistance? No, they said Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. might have made more sense in a scene hinged to passive resistance. Yeah. That wasn't passive resistance, though. No. Is is the thing. That's not not hitting someone instantly because it, you die isn't passive resistance. No. He doesn't even he doesn't even resist. He just does what he has to to also, survive the situation. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't about passive resistance. Yeah, passive is a very wrong word for that. It was peaceful resistance, nonviolent mm. resistance, but it was 100% active. Yeah, um, resistance in that scene would have been him sitting down and refusing peaceful resistance. Um, like, you know, what Rosa Parks did. She sat on a different part of the bus. That's, that was peaceful resistance. Malcolm X would have gathered a group, trained them to understand the situation better, and then fought back. Hey, what'd they do in this movie? That exact thing? Using football as a metaphor for fighting back on their own terms? Crazy. And then making them, in view of the world, lose? 
you know, the fact that they missed that, it's like, Jesus. I Yeah, I can't even talk about that review. It it really does bug me. <laughs> I was going to read another review. I realized I was reading from the uh, Christian Science Monitor, um, and that's just unfair. I'm just I'm just gonna pause. Christian Science Monitor is actually a well respected newspaper. They actually oh. do really good journalism. It's not it's not a Christian Science paper. <laughs> just so you know. I I didn't know that. Interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let me uh let me then mention some stuff from it. <laughs> Okay. Unlike the original, Seagull piles on the action suspense while forgetting any meaningful points he might have made. The result is a quickly paced, slickly filmed entertainment that's also as crude and rude as the PG-13 rating will allow. It's mighty mean-spirited too, aiming satirical jibes at everyone from black illiterates to white rednecks, from breakers of the law to enforcers of the law, from society's elite to society's drag homophobia and sexism abound one i actually the the sexism no i'm not really sure about because there's like what two women in this entire movie yeah i guess yeah it's a little sexist they're, they're not wrong but also that's not really the issue here um but acting like they equally dished out satirical jibes from black illiterates to white rednecks also what what white rednecks was that unger the pyromaniac who tries to or that murders someone is that a jab at him <laughs> and breakers of the law and two enforcers of the law like this movie doesn't hate on the people in the prison it no it glorifies them um it doesn't talk about what anyone did to get yep. there which i like that's a good Me thing too. to do mm-hmm. and it shows that they all have their own kind of like reason for doing whatever they're doing and then they fight back against white supremacists not enforcers of the law they are repeatedly breaking the law and at one point go to murder a man for nothing because it hurts their feelings and they don't like them and not only that then threaten an innocent man in the cover-up of the crime that they provoked Yes, they murdered someone and then blamed someone else, which, you know, probably, uh, especially right now, is probably a lot of people are hearing some stuff like that. Yeah, that's why I don't really like the ending of this movie or the other movie, because they portray Captain Kanawa as a good guy almost at the end, and I hate that. He's not a good guy. He yes. knows exactly what happened to Caretaker. He could have done something about it. That That's actually, I think, it it's... It is so liberal. Oh, yeah. It hurts. So I know you know yesterday I had a long discussion with someone um, who decided to try to tell me that there are good cops. I did not ask this person to talk to me. They just started DMing me saying that there's good cops. Now, this movie is a perfect example of why all cops are bastards. Because Knauer, at the end, decides not to murder a man in cold blood. And not to convict him of a crime he didn't commit. Those aren't the acts of a good person. Those are just not the acts of a bad person. He's just not doing bad. Yeah. But he does do bad because he knows someone got murdered and he allows it to happen. The entire system is corrupt. Therefore, everyone in it is corrupt. He is allowing Mm -hmm. murder to happen under his watch. 
He is allowing people to be threatened like this. He beats people relentlessly and then tortures them in a hot box. He's not a good for cop. For fun. For fun. Yeah, for fun. Uh, and because it's pride turret, maybe. And then people go back and say, well, he was the good one. Nah, I fucking no. wasn't, dude. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, I like the movie. I was happy to watch it again. Uh, I caught some things that I hadn't noticed before. Uh, to be honest, the first time I ever watched this movie, I was not looking forward to it because I was like, oh, football movie. Mm-hmm. But it turned out to be pretty good. Um, and I and I liked it, I think, even more the second time around. So I, uh, I think that this is also one of the movies with the highest disparity between critic ratings and user ratings. Yeah, it's definitely pretty high for that. Yeah, and just, I like that Adam Sandler, I like when he kind of takes a step back and isn't a total goofball in his movies because he shines, I think, just so much more. Yeah, he's actually very good at the subtle stuff, especially because then when he does something over the top, it it pops a little more. Yeah. Um, That said, he's also getting older so that it feels better when he's not over the top. Yeah. Well... What are we watching tomorrow? Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the first one. Yeah, the, the first one is fine, but I just don't have hope for the sequel. I'm, I just... I, I don't trust sequels, ever. I do not trust sequels. No. I'm just waiting for that Master Disguise, too. No, I'm like, I would, I would actually throw up. If I had to watch that, <laughs> it made me physically ill. Uh, well, you can find our podcast at Laugh at Him Pod on Twitter, and you can also find our games at wannabegames.com. If you'd like, you can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash wannabegames, but instead, why don't you donate to an organization that's taking care of trans black people in the community, especially those who are um, threatened with arrest? Um because, you know, that's a vulnerable part of our community that you should support right now. So go on. Go go do it. Pause the podcast and go donate to an yeah, You can just turn off the podcast at this point. You're just going to hear our Twitter names. It's fine. Yeah, but just sometimes do we it. do a good gag at the end. I, I don't got anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can um, see my tweets at, at Joska on Twitter. And I am at Kitty Crusade. I got shakes that'll make you shake. You're right. I don't got anything either. So please take my wife. ACAB. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>